Hello and welcome to another wonderful, extra special, extra fantastic, completely curricular, fully on the curriculum, there will be a test about this, episode of Normandy FM. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, joined by my other co-host, Kaz Shepard. How you doing today? I'm good. Like this is, this is not a video podcast, so no one will see it, but before we start the recording, every episode we do a clap into the mic, mm-hmm. and... Just off, off screen here. Well, um, uh, this non-existent screen. My dog. She she was like dead asleep, and I didn't really pay <laughs> pay attention to the fact that she is very close to my mic right now. So she is in wide-eyed bewilderment right now. So I'm good. She's she's reeling right now. I can't believe you would scare your dog for the podcast. I do, I do a lot of things for the podcast. Like scaring my dog is not that high on the list of bad things I've done. You want to know a good thing we do on this podcast, though? We bring on guests like the wonderful Chase Carter, who's here today. How you doing, How- Chase? Hey, howdy. Thanks for having me back. Good to be here. It's about time we had you back. It was about time because we got to talk about your boy, your your soft shield boy. Please, if the shield is hard, the, the, or the yeah, the shield is hard, the heart is what is soft on this boy. Oof. All right, all right. Oof. All right. Uh, Chase is here to talk about Blackwall. We're, we're mm-hmm. doing our Dragon Age Inquisition episode about Blackwall. We're very excited to cover this. Real quick, uh, just up front, um, the day that we are recording this, Monday, uh, y'all may have seen some things on social media. I say this like I wasn't the one who openly tweeted them. <laughs> <laughs> you may have seen some posts. <laughs> so, uh, yes, for those of you who follow my professional work, uh, some things are afoot at us gamer uh i will be for sure gone by the end of december at the latest um that is just a thing uh part of ongoing quote-unquote redundancy efforts at uh Readpop, which is our parent company um as you may have also noticed on the twitter's uh my boss cat bailey as well as my colleagues nadia oxford and matthew olson announced similar things and also several other employees of that site have left over the last couple of months including kate mccarthy and mike williams so uh infer what you will from that uh i'm i'm just here to say that uh yes my professional work is in a bit of a it's up in the air right now it's uh you know we're all gonna find out in the new year what sort of fun awaits eric here but uh i can assure you that no matter what uh nothing will be changing for normandy fm we will be continuing to produce normandy fm so if that was a worry for any of y'all don't worry about that uh my professional work will hopefully continue to find a home somewhere uh you know that whenever the legendary edition comes around uh i'm gonna be all over that so uh just wanted to clear that up early on because uh i saw some folks some lovely fans of norm dfm tweeting about it today uh just kind of you know sending their condolences i appreciate that um it is some as the kids say hot bullshit but you know we gotta we gotta work with the hand that life deals us sometimes so we still got normandy fm and that's the important part 
<laughs> we're we're still here to talk about Bauer. Did you laugh, Ken? Did you laugh when I said that's the important part that we got Normandy FM? I mean, it was just, you know, laughing in agreement. We we got we got to stay together for the kids, and the kids are our listeners, the dear listeners of Normandy FM who tune in every week to hear us podcast and hear me throw pop culture references at you that you don't understand because you've only seen like four movies. Oh, I'm, I'm glad the dynamic has not changed since the last time I came on. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Today will be another uh, installment in which movies from before the year 2000 will air a quote that Ken has never seen before. <laughs> um, Chase, mm-hmm. you've seen movies from before the year 2000. I have, yeah. How about blackwall how do we feel why was blackwall a character that you wanted to come on the podcast and talk about oh the rough transition hey hey we're here to just make it happen ken (laughs) crash and burning the doers do (laughs) yeah uh much like blackwall they push forward regardless of uh circumstances around them Um, exactly so that's how you do a segue eric um wow (laughs) <laughs> so uh as longtime normative fm listeners will know i came on during the dragon h2 block to talk about a character that i think is maybe pretty similar to blackwall uh aveline in mm-hmm. that it's not one that a lot of people will pick first or second at or even third as like their favorite character within like the the sort of the companion uh uh, cavalcade in each game but is someone that is has like a strong emotional core is a little bit subdued a little bit understated but once you really dig in there there's a, a lot of narrative and character meat to chew on yeah it's um i'm gonna openly say that blackwall was a character i did not really give a shit about the first time i played inquisition and that's um, fair yeah like vivian we talked about this last week vivian was a character that i kind of just did not have along due to the setup of my party i was already a mage uh and i was just kind of gelling more with dorian and solus so by virtue of not wanting to stack a party with a ton of mages it was very rare that i would have uh vivian along and over time she just kind of like fell to the bottom of my party and never really put her in the group uh this playthrough that's actually kind of sarah and varic for me since i'm a rogue and cole mm-hmm. especially but i was never going to bring cole on the mission because come on now <laughs> uh, Sorry, bud. but blackwall like i'm still i'm still 100 like a cassandra main big big fan of cassandra up front as as my tank but I tried to make a concerted effort to use Blackwall more often, especially mm-hmm. when I was going into areas that would have like Grey Warden artifacts in them and all that. And he is a character that I think I overlooked because he feels very basic. Um, he is just like in a party full of characters like a spirit of death and a super mage from Tevinter and a giant kunari mercenary leader like blackwall's kind of just a dude with a sword and a shield and he's like yep i I do sword and shield stuff like even cassandra kind of has uh i keep saying cassandra because i'm thinking of assassin's creed odyssey because i've been playing all assassin's creed lately cassandra um Cass has like some cool you know templar powers and stuff like that but blackwall was always just kind of this character where i was like yeah he's just a dude that runs around with a sword and a shield but his i've found that 
combat wise i'm not really caring about him but story wise i'm definitely coming around on him as a character that has probably the most dynamic storyline throughout the course of inquisition like just the the way that it's handled and the way that you can respond to it and the way that you just have so many choices that you can make throughout all of it and kind of shape the future of this person it's Hmm. it's a surprisingly like malleable storyline that can result in a lot of different permutations uh once we get to like trespasser and stuff uh especially compared to other characters like cole we kind of made a binary like one or zero choice um cassandra was kind of the same and i was surprised by the breadth of what can happen here with blackwall and what eventually will transpire later on down the road i don't know how you felt about that stuff ken for me blackwall is kind of like it's something i've kind of been realizing the longer that we've done this show is that sort of like what the uh how about to phrase this like what the fandom describes as like the canon of like the spectrum of how people feel about bioware characters tends to lean pretty heavily towards characters that like one come with like a lore dump or two have like a very larger than life kind of story to go along with them where Mm -hmm. especially in games like inquisition where like you have to be actively invested in a character and like gaining their approval to see the end i feel like if you bounce off of the character fairly quickly a lot of that depth gets hidden away or like swept under the rug and kind of treated as if it's not there um because i think Maybe not, like, in terms of his impact on the Dragon Age universe compared to a lot of these other characters. I think Blackwall's story is one of the ones that I think is the most fascinating by the end, just because it is a very down-to-earth story in, in the grand scheme of things, but it also, like, short of, like, what fucking Solus, who has ever fooled the Inquisitor that, that much, you know? Yeah, his story is one of the only ones, I think, among all the other companions, except for Solus, like you said, but, of course, he, um, you know... Well, he's a special case. Uh, his gets more complicated by the end instead of wrapping up with like a nice bow on it so that you can get back to your adventures. Mm. And at least depending on how you decide it, you could come out feeling positive, but there's no way to come out either fully fully decided, I think, on the man. And we can discuss that, of course, getting into it. But I think you're always going to come off a little conflicted about what you as the Inquisitor choose for this man once you know everything about him, which is... I think gorgeous. I think that makes for great storytelling and great characterization. I wish they would do more of that. Yeah, it's um again, not to like do this thing every week where I just bring up Baldur's Gate 3, but uh <laughs> like that's what that's another thing I was struck by when playing Baldur's Gate 3 was that it felt like character stuff was kind of evolving as time went on and it was also like rewarding how in depth I went with certain characters and Blackwall's story is just really interesting to me and and I'm going to use this as a segue here but it's this thing that kind of unfurls over time like you're kind of slowly picking away at who this person is and and what they're doing and who they I, I feel like very early on before you even get to the point where you can start his companion mission there's some hints that he may not be the person that he's telling you he is mm-hmm. um, there's definitely some elements of him where 
uh, if you bring him along to like deep road stuff, if I recall correctly, uh, you can kind of ask him about darkspawn stuff, and he's kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> I know warden things because I'm a warden, <laughs> and um, it, he's he's also having a lot of these conversations with you, like ones that I ran into with Adamant and with uh, like him just kind of hanging out in the barn where it he just really seems like two different people all the time. Like he's, he's one person when you're out in the field and he's doing like, you know, smashy, smashy bang, bang stuff. But then when you kind of catch him in an unguarded moment in the barn, it's a very different person. It feels like he comes off as a different person Mm. and already like, even though I was playing the game originally, I was getting a sense that I was like, this all seems a little too convenient that oh hey here's one gray warden hanging out in the hinterlands i think is where we find him the hinterlands and uh he's doing gray warden stuff and don't worry he's not affected by the gray warden stuff that other gray wardens are getting affected by and he's all by himself even though they normally don't do that but it's okay and there's just too many things that were lining up for it to be like all a coincidence um and as we begin to kind of piece apart who he is and kind of what he's all about we can eventually get to a point where he will sit us down and kind of have a talk with us and be like hey uh when i like he tells you a story about when he was younger and he sees a dog get strung up by his neck which by the way playing that for the first time in a long time I was going, oh my god. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I did not remember any of that dialogue very well. And mm-hmm. hearing it, you know, kind of for the first time, a second time, uh, I was just like, oh my god, this is... Dude, we're just, like, hanging in a tavern. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like, you good, man? Like, <laughs> you need a minute? Like, you feeling all right lately? Um, but it, like, gives you the heavy implication that something is weighing on his soul that he is thinking about all this stuff and eventually it comes around that he leaves he takes off he's gone blackwall's missing um so at this point i was kind of like if i was playing through the first time but even like playing it now i could see myself thinking this that like oh blackwall's in trouble like he's got some dark bad thoughts going on and we need to find him and help him because he is clearly not in a good place right now like he basically like Mm. tells you a horrifying story from his childhood leaves a note and then takes off and uh it's only like once you talk to the messenger that gets sent down that it starts to implicate something else maybe going on with them saying that like a message was missing from leliana's stores and that's kind of how you find your way to Valrio and the execution of a man who seemingly has nothing to do with Blackwall, although we will still soon learn everything to do with Blackwall. Because uh, should we just leap into it, fellas? Should we just like start talking about it right now? Well, I, I did want to bring up that I think uh, credit to the early Blackwall, which we've all kind of intimated is really unassuming, but I think what's mm-hmm. what, the credit we should give there to the writers is that they are playing off of like all this assumed and. and accumulated knowledge we have of wardens through the first two games so whenever like he's just out there on his own and then he talks about well he's not sure about whether he can hear the he's hearing these voices or if he's going to be corrupted like the other wardens seem to be um we know that wardens 
have this mystique about them that they just don't explain their own bullshit mm. most of the time. Mm. Yeah. If at all possible, they will not say anything about their own order or how it goes or, you know, the things that they get up to. And so we kind of like any of his dodginess, any of his like um, inability to or like just like not wanting to talk about his past in any certain terms, we all chalk that up to just like warden secrecy or something that he's mm. sworn to protect. And I think that's a nice misdirect. And it, once you know the whole story, it's not even like very clever or like very deep, but it is a nice, simple misdirect that uses our assumed knowledge of wardens mm. to think that this is some like big, like, you know, warden conspiracy that we're going to crack open through this one man. But in fact, when we get to it, it is so much less and yet so much more, you know? Yeah. I think the the other interesting thing to point out there is that like, again we are playing the inquisitor but given that we are likely a person who has played dragon age origins we've experienced the life of a gray warden before like firsthand Mm -hmm. and so there's an interesting tension to play on there between the character in the game not knowing as much about the gray wardens and their practices and customs as the player themselves might and that can create interesting tension as well like where we're sitting here like oh hey this seems a little bit off because i know this thing about how gray wardens operate or i know that this is like totally not a thing or whatever but my character might not know that um yeah it's it's something i think about a lot when we start to get into these later dragon age games because we're playing a lot of characters that have different viewpoints uh from differing backgrounds and things like that so that is a way for i think the writers to create tension between what we know and what our character knows and that can create some rising tension even when it's seemingly fine for our character um but that tension sorry was somebody about to chime in Oh, I, d- yeah. I did want to say one more thing here yeah. is that if you are playing a uh, woman inquisitor like I did this time for the for this episode specifically I played a Kunari warrior mm-hmm. uh, it's the first time I played a Kunari uh, character in Inquisition which gave you a lot of interesting options there's a lot of mentions of oxmen and stuff like that and even it's really cute it, you, you can you can begin romancing uh, Blackwall very mm-hmm. early on like yeah, towards the beginning yeah. of Haven and you start, you kind of like, you know, rib him a little bit. And it's very funny because as a Kunari woman, I'm about a foot and a half taller than him. So he almost immediately like shows interest if you begin flirting with him. And so my my headcanon for Blackwall is that he just really loves big women. Like he's just really, <laughs> very into tall ladies. Like he's one of those guys who would like, if you asked him, like he would be very upfront with a couple of beers in him. He'd be very upfront about like the... Uh, the collection of toys that you have that you, you you share in your intimate moments in the bedroom and they're not all for for, for his lady you know um but if you are romancing him uh when you ever get to that scene the dog story that's he doesn't tell the dog story yeah I, he, he kind of yeah he he kind of opens up you have this moment where you go back to uh the battlefield where he uh he like lost someone special to him the warden that he was like searching for with those relics and you go back and he's like really upset and like doesn't know what to say and then you find a badge and you're like oh hey here's your badge you must have dropped this and he's like really cagey kind of like far off middle distance look and he's like hmm yeah i must have dropped it silly me and then he like acts like he's going to say something and then you just sort of like move forward and say like hey i'm here for you like you don't have to do this alone and then you go back to the to the tavern he kind of like continues to like share some intimate like doubts of his about like 
whether this relationship is going to work because he's a Grey Warden. And so again, the assumed knowledge there is that what he's saying is eventually he will die because of the Darkspawn taint. Uh, and so like any any relationship that you share is doomed to die prematurely, you know, given the uh, you know, the assumptions of a full life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you tell him, like, no, 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 like, it's fine. Like, I still want to be with you. And then you go and you have sex in the loft. Um, <laughs> and then when you wake up the next morning, morning, his badge is there and he's gone. And that's when he and escapes to Val Royo. That's mm-hmm. when the break happens. See, that yeah. was that was the thing that I guess I was in my head. We normally do our romance stuff at the end because the romances in this game tend to kind of follow after companion quests. Like, they take a very sequential uh like escalating role with i guess the one main exception being soulless but also like blackwall his stuff from the sounds of it i've never done the romance i've only like looked up what it was but it seems like it does play out in in a way that ends up changing his entire story much more than it would be if you were any other kind of inquisitor with any other kind of relationship with him he he tries to break it off early like twice as soon as you get to yeah, the first time is whenever you first get to Skyhold. He takes you up to the battlements and says, like, hey, I really like you. Like, I have feelings for you, and I know you do too, but this cannot work, and it won't. And to save us both some grief down the road, I have to say we cannot pursue this any longer. And he's really torn up about this. Like, it is a difficult decision for him. And, of course, you can be like, I'm not giving up on you, little man. Like, I love your beard, and I love your stoic <laughs> attitude, and I'm going to keep chasing that. And he's just like, please, my lady, do not. I can't do this and then he just walks off and you're sort of left in this moment where you both have acknowledged your feelings but is something going to happen here mm-hmm. again there's that tension we like that yeah. tension and mm-hmm. that tension culminates the big moment at Val Rio when uh, a man is about to be hung uh, for killing as we learn uh, Lord Callier who is in uh, Orlesian Noble I believe uh, yeah Orlesian Noble and uh his wife and children uh as part of a band of troops and blackwall storms the uh oh crap what do you call those the the gallows are they called the gallows is that right the gallows Mm -hmm. the gallows um he storms the gallows and says stop they say if you want to save this man you got to tell us who gave the order and blackwall says it was me because i'm not blackwall dun 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 tom rainier which sounds like the lead protagonist of a tom clancy novel but um god i love it when people in this universe have normal person names it's hilarious to me like it's got an h in there to make it a little fantasy it's a little fantasy but still just tom (laughs) (laughs) like tom rainier is totally a dude that you went to high school with like that's that's a thing that could happen and i just love it when people in fantasy games you can't can't do it all the time it's got to be sparingly but every once in a while just throw in like a fred you know yeah like an like a scout walks up and he says hey inquisitor i'm scout mike i've got a a missive for leliana here (laughs) maybe you should look at this when you got the time eh actually like (laughs) scout mike (laughs) That implies that Michael was already a name and they've already decided to start shortening it to Mike. That's really yeah. good. Uh-huh. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, so we have the sudden revelation, which we then can go back to the Valroyo prison and talk to him more about, that the black wall we see before us is actually a man named Tom Rainier 
who was a uh, a captain, I believe, in in the Orlesian army. And this mm-hmm. is again, this is a part that I think you have to either go delving into certain dialogue options at some point, or uh, or have to be familiar with some of the external lore of Dragon Age to really get the full picture of. But essentially, as part of the ongoing feud in Orlais for the for the throne. Uh, Rainier was contracted to kill this nobleman and so he set up this situation where he was going to go out there with these very very loyal men who would not ask questions they like drive that point home like these are men who would not ask questions they would just do what they were told and uh, they attack a carriage where the lord is but inside the carriage is also the lord's family and obviously they need to leave no witnesses so uh that happens as well <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh things kind of go haywire topsy-turvy rainier gets away but uh a number of his men are captured immediately some of the other ones get away it's implied that the one who was going to be hung that day was one who had finally been captured uh they had been looking for all of them and rainier is basically like he gives you the speech that's just like i am a monster like i do not deserve this i've been a terrible person and you find out that he gained the name blackwall because he had been picked up by a gray warden named blackwall who was going to take him to go join the gray wardens because he saw potential in him and then while i think it was while rainier was retrieving the darkspawn blood he would need they got Mm -hmm. ambushed and Graywall gave his Graywall Blackwall <laughs> Blackwall gave his life to to save Rainier, uh, and Rainier basically saw an out and assumed the identity. He also brings up, and this is interesting. Like if you talk to him later, he brings up the fact that he was afraid that if he had gone to the Gray Wardens, uh, that they would not have believed him, like the story he told, mm. and they would have just thought he killed. Uh, blackwall mm-hmm. and so he's like well guess i'm just blackwall now and kind of starts roaming the countryside pretending to be a gray warden and that's how you eventually find him um so i guess just at this point with all these shocking revelations where are we at here chase like how are you feeling about this oh are you kidding me this is the good shit y'all this is like <laughs> The wonderful stuff. And I think I kind of like, I talked a little bit about this whenever uh, you first uh, brought up uh, a call for someone, a Blackwall defender to Mm -hmm. come onto the show. But uh, what I really love about this, and y'all both kind of hinted at this in the opening of the show, that like a lot of the other characters, they stand in for these like larger than life characters or for entire factions. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Dorian is for all intents and purposes, Tevinter personified in this game. He's the viewpoint of Tevinter. A very small sect of it, but, like, still. But Tom Tom Rainier, Blackwall, doesn't need to be any of that. We get plenty of other Orlesian nobles. We get plenty of the... Uh, we even have other, like, several other Grey Wardens that we can run into uh, and get their perspective. So Tom Rainier gets to be a man, a simple man caught up in a war who did dirty things to keep himself alive and now has to live with that. He is a man who in, you know, in 2021, we would say is suffering from extreme PTSD. Um, And uh, from the things that he has done or the things that he has seen done and has coped the best way possible by inventing a new life 
so that he can try to get as far away from the dude who did all that bad shit as possible. It wasn't successful, as it hardly ever is, but he tried. He tried so hard, and I think I love the fact that that desperation that drove him on finally reaches a breaking point, and he can no longer lie to you mm. or himself, mm-hmm. and he just wallows in the fact that, like, fi- and, and, and there's almost, like, a relief, right? Like, he can finally mm. own up to everything, and, like, now it's over. He gave it a try, and it's finally over. Mm-hmm. Ken, mm. did you have any thoughts at this point about this character? Uh, at this point, like, I mean... You, you have it all laid before you and like I mean I guess this is kind of segueing into like what happens next but like what is striking me at that point is that, that the Inquisition is in a position where they have the authority that they can intervene or not because um, mm-hmm. I imagine that there are some people that maybe don't don't bother to like they're like oh, okay he, he wants to die let him go off and do that um, mm-hmm. but then there was that part of me that was like whatever I thought you were or like whatever I thought you were, or whatever you actually are, you were a friend to me. You were a, an ally to the Inquisition. So like, you're also clearly like, you you had the opportunity to let this guy die in your in your stead, and you didn't. And so that speaks volumes to how you have changed in the time between running away. Um, so I th- I think he's a very like it's very interesting that like there are a lot of interpretations you can have at this point where, for me at this point I was very intrigued by the fact that he was being eaten up by this rather than just like perfectly like willing to like step aside and plus when take the fall for him yeah it's um i i think the main thing that i was feeling at this point was just kind of maybe a little bit of shock that like this was how we were presented with this conflict because i when i think to other conflicts that we've had in companion quests you think about like iron bull and and the choice you have to make between saving the chargers or or you know like protecting bull's connection to the the canary as a whole and that that initial part of whether tom becomes blackwall or not seems on its face like something that normally bioware would put us in the middle of right like that's that's this like climactic moment of okay he's going to shed his entire identity and run off and become a warden and instead we're kind of dealing with the aftermath of it we're dealing with a person who has been running like has made all these choices keeps making bad choices and now we get to catch him when he's at right at the end of his rope like just there is nothing left but rock bottom for this guy and Mm. i think that's more compelling also because like he does things that are i would say objectively bad (laughs) like he is a bad he's not a bad person but he has done bad things and we're put in the position of not deciding like i think a lot of bioware games put you in the decision of which thing are you going to do but rather we're put in the position of like weighing this dude's soul and saying like is he worth another chance compared to all the ones he's been given already in life and and that kind of segues into what we eventually get to do because like you said there is we could potentially just leave him to rot in valreo and i think there is some merit to why you would decide to do that um I think the more interesting thing comes if you there are several ways that you can smuggle him out of Valreo. You know, you can um 
you can basically say, hey, I'm going to use my political connections because this this mission takes place after Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. You can say, okay, we we all know what happened at the palace. We've got pull with the nobles. We can use some of our reputation to pull some strings and put him in our jurisdiction rather than Valrio's. Um we can also say we're going to literally storm the prison and bust him out and capture him for ourselves, which Cullen, dude, you mm. need to chill a little bit. Like Cullen he even it, says that goes badly. Like there are a lot of people who die if you choose to go that route. Yeah. And it's like, that's, it's pretty messed up. And, and Leliana's, mm. I believe is you, <laughs> you have a traitor. She's like, the way she phrases it is, extremely suspect because she's like oh hey wouldn't you look at this we have a traitor in our midst who also happens to look like Blackwall and so what if we just did a little <laughs> switcheroo we just swap a runium and I'm I'm sitting there I'm like Liliana you and I both know you did not have that shit to just pull out and just <laughs> make it happen who who did you like somehow medieval plastic surgery into looking like Blackwall, like what political opponent am I putting behind bars in Blackwall's place that you like morphed with one of Morrigan's potions or something? Yeah, um, Leliana saw Freaky Friday and was like, "I got to do that shit. That looks cool." She, Leliana's like, "I got ideas, and none of them are pertinent to the themes of this movie." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the other option is you can just like. There's, I wanted to say there was another smuggling option that was completely separate from those yeah. three. You have oh. to have the underworld connections from like the Inquisition perks. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah. And if you decide to go that route, you basically smuggle him out, but not through any Inquisition, ostensibly tied to the uh, Inquisition kind of thing. So you don't use Leliana's like body switch. You don't use Josephine's politics or anything like that. You just use like, you know, basic smugglers. Just your, mm-hmm. your, your blue collar crime people to to get him out of there um and he still hates that uh but it's a little bit better you don't get any of the the negatives to like uh approval that way right um which i went with the josephine one because i was just like hey that's that seems like the most sensible one yeah other than freaky friday and let's murder some people uh yeah that one seems like just the more calm one and like so that's the other thing we gotta bring up is that once we go and sit on our throne and we bring in tom rainier for judgment he gets mad at us first of all for pulling this shit because he told you what he wanted and this is in direct contention with that but he's also like you like harmed the inquisition for my sake why would you ever do that um Mm -hmm. he gets really mad at you and then we are faced with some decisions uh on what to do with rainier uh and let's say some of them are two of them make sense and one of them just seems brutal um so we can fully pardon him if we want like just straight up say you are not in trouble anymore you are a free man you can make your own decisions you are not like i want to say the line is something like you are not time tom rainier you are not blackwall you are whoever you want to be now you are the man that is Mm -hmm. free before me um you're very like i believe in you that you want to do good Mm -hmm. um we can also say that he can join us 
uh, but he will be conscripted into the Grey Wardens officially, and he'll join the Grey Wardens after uh, the Inquisition stuff is done. Mm-hmm. And uh, am I reading this right that you can say that and then say nah? <laughs> like, that's a thing? What? Oh, no, no, no. That's I'm... just saying, like, that's just being a dick to him. You can just be a dick to him after that. Okay, never mind. Um,. Sorry, I'm following along in the wiki because this is a fairly complex series, like flowchart that is happening with what can happen with the Black Wall. Um, See, so he can join the Inquisition, become a full-fledged Grey Warden, join the Grey Wardens once the war with Corypheus is over. Um, or you can just straight up tell him, hey, no, we're going to essentially imprison you. And you're going to keep pretending to be who you were. Like, you're just going to act like none of this happens, and I own you. Like, that's... You are going to serve me now. And that seems super fucked up. That seems malicious in a way that's like, ooh, I don't know about that. Um, Like, as if the man personally offended you. As if you did anything to you. Like, I don't know. Well, I don't understand, like, the mindset there. I guess if you felt that his deceit was so much of a slight to you that you wanted to like harm him back, I guess I like guess. What, what, if you were if you were uh, in a romance with him and you just felt that salty about it, I'm just like there we go. Now we're talking. Can we put him in a bear in a church? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Chase, how did you on these choices? Like, where do you tend to fall? Um. So the first time I played, I um, was not playing as a woman, so there was no romance. But I still pardoned Blackwall because even then, like, even though I didn't use him, I was using Cassandra as my main tank, and he was sidelined. I really enjoyed that, that his whole story, and so I ended up pardoning him. And I felt good about it because the line is, or something like, you are free but you are not free to go. You are free to atone for the things that you've done. I was like, damn, there's some poetic justice there. That felt good Mm -hmm. to do. Um, And I don't know, like giving him over to the wardens afterwards, like I guess I can see the choice there if you weren't as uh, uh, involved in Blackwall from like there was no personal stakes between Mm. your Inquisitor and Blackwall. I can see that being like, well, you know, you wanted to be a warden anyway, so like you can go and finally do it and they'll know about your crimes regardless. And whatever happens is beyond me. That's That's a little bit more of like blind justice in my eyes. But my character, especially now, has always just been too involved in him on a personal level to choose anything but full pardon. Right. Ken, is that where you fell too? Yeah, I... My general thing is like like I said earlier, like I do consider I did consider him a friend, but the main thing that really like sells that to me is that he shows that he clearly wants to atone in some way, and if he has by coming forward he has saved the the man that was originally going to take the fall, he doesn't have to throw away his life in the process of atoning, and if there's more that he can do with us as the Inquisition, then I'm happy to have him. Like I'm not like you know I, like I I've said throughout the series like I play an inquisitor that is not not particularly uh worried about the quarrels of men so i don't really care about the legality of all that i don't really care about any like sense of justice that anyone believes Mm -hmm. that they should impose upon him i am just more like laser focused on how he can help how he can continue to um make good on the wrongs that he has done in ways that are meaningful and not just a waste i um i did the same I, I went for a full pardon 
And yeah, full pardons across the board um, for our boy. I the feeling I had from it though was a little bit different. Um, mostly because, and it's the same reasoning that I even like took him out of the prison to start with. Uh, and I see it as kind of, I guess, saving someone from themselves. Um, despite whatever you know intentions he says, whatever he says to you, he's making a very selfish decision by definitely like definitely. throwing himself in front of the hangman and going into prison and my my dad has a saying you know somebody's uh eager for a sword to fall on and that's blackwall to a t like he wants to be he's he's got it in his head that the only way he will ever atone for the things he has done is to fall on a sword for somebody and because he's seen i mean he, you hear him talk about it like he you know the actual Blackwall died for him. He talks about the story about the dog, um, his men who have been dying for him. And then uh, one story that we didn't bring up, which was when he was in uh, Melee in a festival uh, when he was much younger, he teamed up with this knight, this chevalier, who decides to help him out and help him win this this 100-man Melee, which is a big deal. It's, a, you know, arguably, like, kick-started his career uh in the military and the chevalier offers to like take uh rainier under his wing and teach him and rainier's too prideful to to say yes and he's like nah nah i just won this melee what are you talking about i get to i'm gonna go do my own thing and you can tell he's got a lot of regret but he's also just still in a selfish mindset about it like he wants to atone through the most dramatic way possible because it's the only way he sees forward and the harder thing to do is to wake up every morning and go do the work that will better those people's lives. And he can't do that if he's fallen on the sword for everybody. So um, by pardoning him and basically saying like, okay, you get to walk free, but like you said, like you have to atone for your sins and you're not going to do that the easy way. You're not going to take the easy route for this for you. You're going to do the hard route for everyone else because that's what's going to actually make things better. Uh, and I feel that's reflected in the way this stuff pans out as we go into Trespasser, uh, which we I wanted to bring up because I feel like there are some very significant things that happen uh, to Blackwall and Trespasser. If you are wanting to stay fresh on that stuff, if you're not, if you're playing along with us, uh, maybe like jump ahead, you know, five, ten minutes. We'll, we'll probably be past it by then. But um, depending on what we choose for for Blackwall slash Rainier, he can be a very different person in Trespasser. Um, you know, he could be uh, a Grey Warden who has kind of joined the ranks officially. He could just be Rainier himself, kind of going around and just helping the people that he had caused problems for and really kind of becoming this benevolent spirit almost, like very, very coal like almost. Mm-hmm. Um, or he can just be a, a fake great warden and uh kind of take off and disappear um and also he stays under the name blackwall he does not take his his original name back Mm -hmm. and that all feels like a very um a very kind of maybe dark ending (laughs) for him is is to like just finally fall into that and lose himself in that role or if we never discover any of this like if we never do his companion quest he just turns himself in (laughs) 
and it disappears and he's not in trespasser which is kind of funny to me <laughs> is like if you never did any of that it's just like oh whoops this dude had secretly done crimes and you never found out so he's not here anymore <laughs> mm. um ken how did you feel about kind of the trespasser outcomes for for rainier slash uh blackwall i i agree that like the the him living as a fake warden ends up like in a really like it, it almost makes me feel claustrophobic to thinking about it like that feeling of being entrapped in something because of all these various circumstances like that fucks with me in one way but um i because i did a part of it and that's what i've done in all these places i just i i, I like seeing that you know that jump forward i think trespass was like two years after the actual game so like yes. seeing mm-hmm. that like he's gotten to that point where like he's at peace with who he was what he has done and is able mm-hmm. to make the most of the life he still has and that's that's what i think he deserves in my opinion yeah jesus what about you oh yeah i totally agree um because i i mean i think as like when you pardon him he becomes the person who he was already on the path to becoming and as as we've said as selfish as his decision to like turn himself in was the one th- the one like scene of of a blackwell that i really remember is that uh, memory where he's talking about the uh the chevalier that he went into the melee with um, and the quote that he says is, um, you are who you choose to follow. And I think that no matter how many times Blackwall falters in his quest to be a better person, he does so constantly. He is a flawed man. And I think that it's part of what makes him such a great character. He tries his best to hold true to that value. And I think in you, the Inquisitor, no matter who you are, he finds that ideal, that person that he can follow and therefore become. And so by pardoning him, he finally, like, fully realizes himself because of you and through you, which is, I don't know, beautiful and optimistic in a way that I need in my fantasy games. Mm. I agree. I like that very much. Um, should we, we should probably talk a little bit about the romance, I guess, how it ends with all of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we choose to, if we choose to free um, Blackwall during Judgments... Um, Blackwell kind of poses to us Rainier poses to us like you know hey are we still in a relationship or not um, and, and there's kind of a cute scene with uh, <laughs> addressing whether they should continue to call this person Blackwall or Tom Rainier uh, which I think is nice uh, but it seems like and, and Chase maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this it seems like the, the main bulk of it carries on into Trespasser um, the, the romance past the judgment point yeah, and it's because, as we've talked about, it's all kind of front-loaded before the trial, before he goes to the gallows and turns himself in. So at that point, it's kind of reached a, yeah. a bit of a, a, a point where it can, like, oh, we've we, we've kind of hit a, a place where y'all can just sort of live. Uh, everything's out in the open. He doesn't really have any more secrets to share. The you you While he's still in shackles, if you are in a romance, you kiss him while he, like, sit, stands up and, like, walks up to your throne, and you kiss while... <laughs> these are legion nobles your your court in the background their eyes just go apoplectic and they're just like waving their hands as this man who they wanted to kill now kisses the inquisitor like right in front of their throne it's beautiful <laughs> it's incredible it's a wonderful moment so yeah so at that point it just for the next two years until trespasser yeah you just kind of have a great stable relationship what a concept God. the true fantasy yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> truly uh yeah, and then once we get to Trespasser, there's, like, some some nice stuff, depending on what your choices were. Um, like, Rainier will kind of settle in with you and be like, I'm not going anywhere. There's, like, a, a nice little fake-out with that. But, um, 
he kind of becomes part of your epilogue you know you travel together very dragon age ending style um and if he's a warden he does uh have to go off to weishaupt wait weishaupt i, I don't know um, it really depends on the person <laughs> yeah um but and, and so here's here's something i was unsure about with how this plays out so if you romanced uh rainier slash blackwall and he is a warden and he goes off to weishaupt uh the epilogue says uh, and i'm quoting this in short from the wiki here uh he eventually leaves to do his duty as a great warden uh, promising to return however his promise remains unfulfilled after several years the inquisitor receives only the warden constable's badge and a single pure white griffin feather i'm, I'm assuming that is a sign that he has heard the calling and will go off to meet his end and all that kind of stuff so basically if you do end up making him a warden and still romancing him he does like die he does mm. you know hear the calling and die <laughs> which is maybe a bit of a sad bummer ending to all of this <laughs> if you decide to go that route um i've got any notes on that chase i yeah i can see that but it's sad in the way that like you know people die kind of thing but at least he got to live the second half of his life out in the open free like no mm-hmm. secrets he loved someone openly he lived and like like was a warden openly and fully and got to do good like true capital g good in the world before the end of his life and i don't know the, you look at the cast of characters that dragon age often deals with and how they meet their ends and like it's kind of beautiful compared to a lot of those stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose i mean you could just lose an arm over it you know like Mm. all the soulless romancers have you know wah, wah. <laughs> also if you don't romance uh either blackwall or josephine it is implied that the two have a bit of a crush on each other which is adorable uh and also makes your decision to have josephine get him out kind of cruel because he like kind of holds her in high regard and then to have her be the one to free him from like his like you know selfish decision to seek justice but to do it it's a bit of a betrayal of his feelings too I don't know, man. I would want my crush to spring me from prison. I don't got nothing. (laughs) I don't have a problem with that. What was the point of all those Mario games? Exactly. Look, if if I'm going to be crushing on somebody, if you if you out there are crushing on me, please spring me from prison. Should I end up in prison for betraying my country? Uh, (laughs) That is that is the Normandy FM guarantee. (laughs) Um, I guess kind of closing thoughts here on on Blackwall. Uh, slash Tom Rainier. Uh, again, like I, I mentioned this early up, that I combat wise, like he is what he is. He feels very. He oddly reminds me a lot of the character I played in Dragon Age Origins because my character in Dragon Age Origins, the first time I played it, was definitely just a sword and board. Like I'm gonna walk up to the front and hold my shield up and hit him with the sword a couple times. That's all I do. I, I'm a simple man. I got one game plan. Let's go. Um, whereas, like, story-wise, I think Blackwall really shined for me here in, in a couple ways. Like, I, I mentioned already, I love the way his storyline kind of evolves, and it, it feels more alive and active in the early game compared to other characters. But also just that, again, you are dealing with a character at the end of their rope and not at some magical climactic moment in their life. I think frequently with companion missions, 
maybe a little bit more on the Bioware side, or in Bioware side, uh, Mass Effect side, but uh, you end up being involved in their lives at the most critical moments, like these big moments in their life. Like Samara is the, the one that always comes to mind where it's like, hey, guess what? She tracked down her Arda Yakshi daughter, like right when she happened to be traveling with you and all that. Like it all just lined up very well. But here, you're kind of coming in at the tail end after he had already just really fucked up his own life and you get to give him you get to be the person that decides whether he gets one more chance or not and i think that makes him a very compelling character in terms of the choices you make um ken what are your kind of like closing thoughts on blackwall i like i said at the beginning like i there's a i have i feel a great sense of frustration with blackwell not because of anything that he does but just like the sort of like way that he's talked about in the grander scheme of Dragon Age and by fandom, by even, like, critics, by just, like, people that talk about this series. And it's kind of, like, underscoring an issue. Like, I wish that people, like, had the patience to invest in all these characters before they make their opinions known about them. Because I think, like, mm. calling Blackwall, like, a one-note, one-dimensional, uninteresting character is, like, super disingenuous if you see him all the way through. But I think there are a lot of people that just don't like if they don't if they don't mess with the character immediately, they don't make that effort. And I don't know. Like I, mean, I guess a lot of people just didn't see him in Trespasser because they probably didn't go through and see his companion quest, and he just disappeared. And fuck y'all. Yeah. Before before we move into like Chase's thoughts, I wanted to like ask like ask you further on that. How much of that do you think is that people just have like limited amounts of time, so maybe they only you know only do companion quests with certain characters or maybe they only like romance certain people or maybe they're just not interested in certain characters so they don't do certain stuff yeah i mean i think that's 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 valid that's like everyone's you know got to manage their time but also maybe don't go fucking preach your fucking (laughs) ignorant ass opinions when you don't go out of your way to like see the content through Mm -hmm. that's fair yeah um Man, I'm thinking all about Assassin's Creed now because I was I was thinking about this because see, and we said we weren't going to do this with Chase in the podcast, <laughs> but we're going to do it anyways. Um, <laughs> Ken and I have both been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and kind of messaging back and forth. Ken, I think this is your first like open world like of the modern Assassin's Creed. I've, I've never played like, an Assassin's Creed before. I've only watched oh like any Assassin's Creed before. Yeah, I've I watched my brother play the first. Like, the first one and, like, all the SEO shit. Um, mm. And that was basically where I... Like, I mean, again, I wasn't even playing the moves. Just, I guess that's where he bounced off, thus I bounced off at the same time. So, mm. that is, how, like, how I have suddenly, uh, 13 years later, played my first Assassin's Creed in the past four days. Interesting. Uh, but it, it was coming up because you and I have been messaging back and forth about it mostly, so I can tell you where there are hot dudes that you can mm. potentially bone down mm-hmm. and uh what a good friend you I know, know I, I look out for it you know? <laughs> <laughs> what a wingman uh, that's that's for what real. i'm here to do mostly because i've been swatting away all romance attempts in that game bar one so um i'm not as i'm not as infatuated with the romance in that game as i was with odyssey where you were much more of a chaotic uh horn dog just bouncing around ancient greece doing whatever whoever this one the romance is pretty different but um i there's that element of those games are so deep and you have to like go so far into just side quests and doing Mm -hmm. extra things and exploring the world that 
I, I had that same problem with Odyssey where like I would talk about how good the side quests in that game are, but it's highly likely that someone could play that game for 80 hours and never see the slice of content I was talking about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't think Dragon Age suffers from that much, you know, stuff in it. There's certainly a lot of stuff in this game, but I think if you're trying to do what I would consider like heavy missions, it does not, you know, maybe it's like a 60 hour game, but um there are also just people like there's so many video games now that maybe there is just that aspect of if a character doesn't immediately click for somebody they're just not going to engage with it yeah. and you know that's fair like I, I, I like I, every time i synchronize a new area in that game i'm like holy shit there's still so much more i haven't even gotten to yet but i also yeah. like don't make a point to go out and talk about all the areas i never got to so <laughs> uh chase what are your kind of closing thoughts on on mr rainier yeah so uh i guess i have two one may be a can of worms and y'all can shut me down if hell yeah you don't want to run long on that but open it something something that struck me about this uh as i was going through and like you know uh really focusing on the romance is that this is the one romance i can remember and correct me if i'm wrong where your the inquisitor gets to like have something in the relationship to react to instead of it being like a conflict in the companion side and you're you're the inquisitor being the person who comes in and sort of you know like rubs their back and like tells them like hey i'm still here with you through all of this Mm. we're gonna get through it you end up there but at a point in the dungeons if you are romancing if you get to be like why the hell did you lie to me Mm. like what the hell what the hell ranger like i thought you were this we had a relationship going and you did this and it's like a really critical moment where i realized that's missing from a lot of other relationships. Because in the first time I played this game, I romanced Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and that romance is definitely all about like helping her get to a place where she can sort of put her own internal struggles about who the, the person she kind of thought she wanted to be, how that's changed because of a lot of you know trauma and death in her life, and this new, re, this new sort of direction in her life, uh, leading the Inquisition or being a big part of the Inquisition. And you kind of are just like there and you help and you assuage and you're a support, you're something to lean on, but you never kind of get to react in the way that like two independent people in a relationship get to react to things. Mm. But in Rain- in Rainier's relationship, you finally do, your Inquisitor gets to be like, this affects me, I am a person with feelings beyond you and this has affected me deeply and I'm going to air that. And it was really kind of like refreshing to get that in a romance. It made it feel more real more you know mm. i mean a little bit more down to earth but also real in a very very critical way i think i think the closest equivalent is solace but that yeah. is also like right because of the way that dragon age has played out in the past game and a half mm-hmm. um that sort of moment hasn't happened yet uh and you're not and regardless of like how you react to it nothing really changes um so to be determined i guess and let's be real, like, if he could, he wouldn't give you that moment anyways. Yeah. He'd be a real ass about it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, that is... Mm. I mean, Anders, I mean, like, if we're not just Inquisition, maybe, but, like, Anders is also, like, a moment like that. Mm-hmm. But again, like, in both those characters, their relationship is kind of tied into, like, plot-critical elements mm. as well. That's fair. Rainier stands apart from that. Like we said, you could completely skip all of this. Yeah. So I guess I guess I just wish that they would take that 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 instinct and chase it down a little bit more with the other characters. Mm. Yeah, I I can see that, and and definitely like I've been thinking about this a lot because there's actually a game I've been looking forward to a lot coming out pretty soon called Haven, 
uh where like kind of it's by the people who made fury but the general idea is that the creator wanted to make a game that was about a relationship and like a game that starts out where you are already in a relationship and you just have to do relationship things and deal with relationship things and it's not so much like what we often get in bioware games where you're kind of doing the flirting and the getting together but maybe not necessarily like not until trespasser do we get the like two years later or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i think that's interesting because that's like that's aspects of it that like you said we don't see dealt with very often because that's also something that like seems like a committed relationship problem and not necessarily like a oh we were flirting and then it turned out you were Mm. secretly somebody else i mean yeah you'd still be mad about that but i don't know i did think of one other one but it's kind of like a spoiler for the rest of our podcast but dorian in trespasser oh okay okay which I think it's just a feather in the hat of Trespassers. Why that DLC is just so bananas good. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It's very very good. We're close. They to chase it. those instincts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you guys are. It's exciting. I can't wait. God, we are really close to it, aren't we? Uh, we are nearing the end of the Dragon Age Inquisition season. That's incredible. Chase, I'm sorry. You you mentioned that one can of worms. Was there another thing that you wanted to mention before you? Uh, I guess the only other thing is if you haven't done this if you were thinking about if this is any way gives you interest in going back and playing and trying to get to know blackwall a little bit more my one selling point for him is that like it's something i've mentioned and we've all kind of touched on is that he is something that the the dragon age games tend to ignore a whole lot which is the 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 as the 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 point of view of a common person Mm. wrapped up in war these games are war happening all the time and most of the time the people who don't have magical powers or plot armor or or just like really have the uh you know the special anime hair which means they're going to be a main character um (laughs) they just die on the peripheries of the screen Uh they an an ogre crushes them beneath them sorry bethany like it so much of these people are the bethany's of the world right and blackwall gets to be elevated his story gets to be elevated to be something more and we see someone who went through war and had to deal with it in a way that magic or plot armor or special anime hair couldn't do and he became a different person to try to escape a lot of trauma and weird shit and i think that's super cool to have as a as a point of view in a world that has been racked by war for god Mm. thousands of years it turns out there's going to be a lot of those folks i'm glad we got one yeah god i hadn't i hadn't connected that plot line that plot thread yet but that idea that this is a person who has been living through all the bullshit that our various protagonists have caused in the world like he was around for the blight and and he's a soldier and and he's dealt with all this stuff in ways that our characters have not and to to get that perspective is fascinating too blackwall put him in your party (laughs) um so that's that's blackwall as always we are normandy fm we are a bioware retrospective podcast uh we have a patreon that you can go and support help keep the lights on uh help us you know afford whatever things we need to cover like getting ken a new mic apparently because this these last few weeks have just been it's not my mic it's my headset let's see getting ken a new headset (laughs) um uh if you want to support us in that endeavor you can head over to patreon.com slash normbfm where you can support us there uh certain folks who back at certain tiers get their name shout out every week this week that list is kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just zach mickle and the wedge of destiny thank you all so much for contributing and ken 
I'm very mm-hmm. excited. First of all, let me remind you all that if you can't support, you can also head over to twitter.com slash show and follow us there. Head to various podcast services and listen in because next week we will be having our final guest segment of Dragon Age Inquisition. Of Dragon Age entirely. Of Dragon Age. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. so. You know, unless we ever oh. come back to this, you know, it's look we've we've already been talking internally about returning to games as well because we're in that magical point of what do we do after jade empire which starts at the start of next year uh we're not putting anything down to stone on that this is not me putting a pin in anything and saying that's what we're doing but uh for now yeah end of dragon age uh ty galas will be on to talk about leliana i'm very excited to have them back again talk about Ooh. the last remaining advisor Leliana, also like one of the long-running characters in this series that I feel mm-hmm. we don't we don't talk about that very often, but yeah. you know, Leliana, we, we might talk about how it sucks. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Uh, so a fun fact: the same writer for Blackwall wrote Leliana, Cheryl Chi. There we go. Yeah. Hopefully, we might be encountering some quality writing then, God willing. <laughs> um. <laughs> not to imply that we haven't yet but blackwall's been good i'm excited i have not revisited this liliana stuff in a while and also uh liliana has a very specific side quest that involves some templar side stuff that i have not seen ever so i'm excited to play that uh getting ready for next week so that'll be our next week episode chase once again where can the wonderful people find your work find what you do yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Chase Writes. That's W R I T E S. All my writing gets pulled up there, as long as as well as all the bad tweets that I send. I do retweet much better people like Eric and Ken and Norma DFM, <laughs> so you'll get some of that as well. Uh, and also for the rest of 2020, you can find my writing. I'll be doing some news writing over at Dicebreaker. You can find them dicebreaker.com or at Join Dicebreaker on Twitter. Heck yeah, those are good folks over at Dicebreaker very very lovely folks are you are you a big tabletop guy i've never known this about you chase yeah i am but it's always been a hobby not something that i pursued as a career because you know there's just and that's something that dicebreaker really wanted to do is fill the niche of like there's not a lot of people professionally writing for the tabletop crowd yeah so we're the folks out there doing it that's that's awesome y'all should go follow all of his work all of chase's work all of dicebreaker's works follow work follow the people who make the things that you love and hopefully that includes Normandy FM. We'll Absolutely. See, we'll see you next time on this podcast. <laughs> We have watched and waited. <laughs> <laughs>